We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 519 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. Did you ever get an F- minus in school? Like, an F is one thing, but how about an F-? minus? The NFL Players Association on Wednesday came out with the NFLPA's first NFL player Team report cards for various things. Yes, report cards for NFL teams coming from the opinions of NFL players. Uh, The report cards were based on player respondents. Well, the commanders, the Washington commanders, they ranked dead last. Number 32 out of 32 NFL teams. Here was your commander's report card. I will read to you the category, then the grade for that category, and then the ranking for the grade in that category. Treatment of families, grade F, ranking tied for 29th in the NFL, and in this circumstance, that is tied for last in the NFL. Food service slash nutrition, grade D plus, ranking tied for 18th in the NFL. Weight room, grade C plus, ranking tied for 22nd in the NFL. Strength coaches, grade A plus, all right, ranking tied for first in the NFL. Training room, grade F minus, tied for 30th, tied for last in the NFL. Training staff, grade D, 31st in the NFL. Locker room, grade F minus, 32nd, i.e. dead last in the NFL. Team travel, F minus, (laughs) 32nd, dead last in 
the NFL. So out of the eight categories, the Commanders got four Fs, including three F-minuses. That, my friends, is not winning off the field, as our former team president, Bruce Allen, once told us. We're winning off the field. Yes, thank you, Brucey. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Hey, the Commanders on Wednesday afternoon announced the re-signing of linebacker Nathan Gary to a one-year contract extension for the 2023 season. So we do have that. But geez, number 32 out of 32 teams. And look, I'm not exactly shedding tears for how NFL players are treated, okay? These guys do get treated very well. We should all be so lucky to be treated as well as NFL players are treated. But the point with this NFLPA report card for the commanders is that they are dead last in the NFL. For all of the talk about the team having an improved culture, for all of the padding of itself on the back, by the team, for the team's supposedly improved culture. The NFLPA just ranked the commanders dead last in the NFL. And the bulk of the bad grades had to do with the team facility in Ashburn, Virginia. The facility is lacking big time in comparison to other NFL team facilities. Although to me, it does stand out that the training staff got a grade of D, 31st out of 32 NFL teams. How much conversation, right, have we had in recent years about the training staff for Washington? Well, at least according to the NFLPA report card, the training staff for Washington still ain't so good. Uh, Consider this from the NFLPA on the commanders, quote, the Washington commanders are ranked 32nd, parentheses, last, end of parentheses, in our team guide. Besides the strength coaches who received great feedback and grades as one of the best groups in the league, the rest of the club's operations and facilities were rated by player respondents at the bottom of every single category. The locker room does not have confidence that club owner Dan Snyder is willing to invest to upgrade the facilities as player responses rank him 31st in this category. Players had significantly more concerns with each area of the facility than the player respondents on any other team. End quote. Well, the team facility thing is mostly a thing having to do with the co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder. In the meantime, the commander's general manager, Martin Mayhew, he on Wednesday afternoon did a press conference at the NFL Scouting Combine at Lucas Oil Stadium. Next segment, I will react to the most significant things that Martin had to say, that GMMM had to say. Uh, He talked about the team's quarterback situation with Sam Howell, including the value of Sam having not played for most of his rookie season. Martin also had some things to say about the commander's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, and broke down the team's tight end situation, which is rather interesting. I'm going to get into all of that and more next segment. Also on the show, I'm talking Capitals. Another trade by the Caps on Wednesday. Uh, they now have made four trades over the last seven days. I've got some thoughts on this sell-off by the Cavs, as well as on a Cavs win late night on Wednesday night, a 3-2 overtime win at the Anaheim Docks. And we have college basketball to discuss. A woeful Wednesday night 
for Maryland and Georgetown. Number 21, Maryland's road problems continued. A 73-62 loss at Ohio State. The Terrapins this season now are just 1-8 and in Big Ten road games versus being 10-0 and in Big Ten home games. And then there is Georgetown. A humiliating regular season ending 99-59 loss at Creighton on Wednesday night. Uh, this was the Hoyas' worst loss since a 44-point loss in late December 1971. Has Patrick Ewing been fired yet as Hoyas head coach? And I say that as someone who likes Patrick and has a lot of respect for Patrick. But come on, Georgetown, and it's now concluded 2022-2023 regular season, went 7-24 and overall and 2-18 and in the Big East. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. The feedback to all of the reports that have come out in recent days regarding Dan Snyder and the sale of the commanders continues to pour in. A tweet from Jay Fry on all of this, maybe, possibly, being the end for Dan as owner of the team. I do believe that Dan is going to be selling majority ownership of the team in the coming weeks or months, whether he wants to or not. Uh, writes Jay Fry, going to pop a bottle when this happens. They may really have a chance to be good again. Uh, thank you for the tweet, Jay Fry. Uh, the amount of hope <laughs> that will be infused into the commander's fan base, that will be injected into the veins of every commander's fan if Dan Snyder actually sells majority ownership of the team, cannot be overstated. A tweet from John Howard Kennedy on something that was in that bombshell report from ESPN senior writer Don Van Nata Jr. that came out early Tuesday morning, writes John, the drop-off in local revenues is staggering during a period of rising player costs and other costs rising, demonstrates that sports teams are not immune to branding issues. Uh, True that. Thank you for the tweet, John. Uh, What John was referring to was the ESPN report revealing that Washington's local revenues went from $241 million in fiscal year 2009 to $160 million in fiscal year 2020. A frightening decline And the decline doesn't even account for inflation, right? Because there was some inflation from 2009 to 2020. And of course, the decline was about a lot of things, including the team not being very good. But there's no doubt the Washington brand has suffered for a lot of reasons during Dan Snyder's ownership of the team. Uh, Email from one of the legal experts of the Al Galdi podcast, Neil Mullen. Uh, Neil is an adjunct professor at George Mason's Law School, the Antonin Scalia Law School. He, as a lawyer, practiced labor and employment law for three plus decades. So I've had Neil on the show multiple times uh, to discuss the Washington workplace misconduct scandal. Uh, Writes Neil, as we have discussed, I have always suspected that the Mary Jo White report is being held as a bargaining chip. From long experience, I can tell you that a report like this never takes this long to complete unless the investigator is denied access to documents or witnesses and literally can't complete the investigation. And this is possible as an engineered result here. That is, it is possible that Mary Jo White hasn't been able to talk to Dan Snyder and Roger Goodell has not pressed the matter as a way of keeping things 
from coming to a head. Dan reportedly wants the report scuttled as a price for selling the team. Roger is withholding its release so as not to rock the boat while the transaction is in the balance. After having botched the first go-round and promised transparency this time, it's hard to see how Roger can now bury the document forever. The most that he can do is hold it for a time when no one will care because Dan is gone. Just a fascinating story. Uh, Thank you for the email, Neil. Yeah, I could see (laughs) the NFL putting out the findings of the Mary Jo White investigation on like Christmas Eve 2029 or something like that. You know what I mean? Like Dan is long gone. Uh, Nobody is paying attention to the Dan Snyder saga. And oh yeah, here you go. Here are the Mary Jo White investigation findings. Merry Christmas. Uh, I tell you, the politics, the machinations, the inner workings, the backroom dealings with all of this Dan Snyder stuff are fascinating. But here's something else to consider. What if the Mary Jo White investigation is done and the findings exonerate Dan Snyder? Like, what if the reason that the findings of the Mary Jo White investigation have not been released is that they absolve Dan to some degree, maybe even to a major degree, and thus might embolden Dan? Uh, Do I believe that Dan Snyder is guilty of most of which he has been accused? Maybe even all of which he has been accused? Yes, I do. But what if this investigation, which we believe is specific to two things, the allegations of former team employee Tiffany Johnston against Dan and the financial scandal, ends up not finding many theirs there to implicate Dan? Just something to think about. Email from Ramesh on the commanders having franchise-tagged interior defensive lineman Duran Payne. Writes Ramesh, congratulations on two years of the podcast. I'm a regular listener from the UK and have a few thoughts on Duran Payne. I'm in favor of tagging and trading Payne. I understand that a contract for Payne would probably be over $20 million per year and could make him our highest paid player. I don't think that this would be right for the team. When evaluating top paid players, I consider the following factors. Performance on the field, character traits, leadership traits. Payne has shown exactly one elite year of performance. His character is mercenary, (laughs) motivated solely by money, and he doesn't even pay lip service to wanting to play for the team. I wonder what happens to his performance when he gets paid. His leadership skills are non-existent, and it's hard to compare him to our other top paid stars, Jonathan Allen and Terry McLaurin, who excel in all three areas. So I think that a long-term contract for Payne is not good value. Let's save the $20 million plus per year for high-quality offensive line starters. And we already have Payne's replacement on the team. We spent a second-round pick on Fedarian Mathis last year. It's time to rebalance our resources and stop over-investing our resources in one part of the team. Keep up the great work. Uh, Thank you for that, Ramesh. Well, Fedarian Mathis could be a good player, but remember, he's coming off a serious knee injury. Uh, Fedarian Mathis suffered a left knee injury, a reported torn left meniscus in the first quarter of the commander's first regular season game this past season. The win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one. He underwent surgery this past September 16th. I am in favor of the commander's trading Duran Payne, of having franchise tagged him, if the team can't reach a multi-year contract with them this offseason. I want one of two extremes, a multi-year contract with Duran or a trading of Duran. 
Uh, I would not go so far as to call Duran Payne a mercenary, but he has made it no secret that money is a big deal to him. And he has had just the one elite season. That is true. And that is my biggest concern with giving him a big money multi-year contract that once he gets paid, he'll revert to the inconsistent player he was over the first four seasons of his career, 2018 through 2021. But it is worth noting that it's not like Duran over those four seasons was a bad player. It's just that he was a pretty good player who you felt like could be a great player, but wasn't. He This past season was great. And maybe the biggest question with Duran is this. Did he have his great 2022 season because it was a contract season? Or did he have his great 2022 season because everything just finally clicked? Keep in mind that Durant Payne is young. He was just 20 years old when the Redskins took him with the number 13 pick in the 2018 NFL Draft. And the 2023 season will be just his age 26 season. That's it. So Durant's previous inconsistency, you know, him not having had his true breakout season until this past season, may have been a function of his youth more than anything. Uh, another thing with Duran Payne is his durability. Duran, over his five NFL seasons, has played in 81 of a possible 82 regular season games. That is impressive. Well, also impressive is the growth that you can achieve for your business or practice by advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. Podcast advertising is very affordable, much more so than radio and television advertising. Uh, in our current economy, podcast advertising is the way to go, and podcast advertising works. Make more money. Email us. See what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Galdi Podcast at yahoo.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE system yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis continues. Uh, Doing a press conference at the Combine on Tuesday afternoon was Commander's Head Coach Rod Rivera, and doing a press conference at the Combine on Wednesday afternoon was Commander's General Manager Martin Mayhew, a former participant in the NFL Scouting Combine. Uh, Martin participated in the 1988 NFL scouting combine. Cornerback Martin Mayhew was taken by the Buffalo Bills in the 10th round of the 1988 NFL draft out of Florida State. Yeah, Martin was a 10th round pick, and yet he ended up having a nice NFL playing career, including four seasons with the Redskins, 1989 through 1992. And of course, included in that mix was Martin being a starting corner for the 1991 Super Bowl champion skin. Uh, A lot has changed (laughs) for Washington since that 1991 team. Uh, The team since that season has had no bigger on-the-field problem than quarterback. We know that Sam Howell is being positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. We also know that Sam is not guaranteed to be the team's QB1 for the 2023 season. He will have to compete for that spot. Rod Rivera has said that the idea is to have a veteran quarterback with whom Sam will compete. This was Martin Mayhew on Wednesday afternoon on the commanders providing competition for Sam Howell for the team's starting quarterback job. Yeah, that's, that's still our discussion about that. We're working through our roster right now. One of the important things about the combine is an opportunity to see all of the young quarterbacks that are coming out, too. And we have an opportunity to look at those as well as what's out there in free agency. So, uh, you know, Sam will have every opportunity to, to win that starting job. Uh, was very impressed with the way that he, he played and practiced last year. Obviously, a very small sample. He only played in one game. But we got to see him the whole offseason. We got to see him all through training camp, uh, every week in practice. He has the skills that it takes to be a starter in this league, in my opinion. All right, Martin Mayhew on Sam Howell. Quote, he has the skills that it takes to be a starter in this league, in my opinion. End quote. I think that Martin's right. Uh, But having the skills is one thing. Translating those skills into quality on the field performance is another. You know, off the fail that was the commander's trade for quarterback Carson Wentz last March, it is hard to have great confidence in what Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew are saying about the team's quarterback position. I get that. I do. And when you look at the coaching slash player personnel careers of Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, and the commander's executive vice president of football slash player personnel, Marty Herney, uh, you do not see great track records regarding quarterbacks. Uh, The two big hits are Cam Newton and Matthew Stafford, but each of those guys was taken with a number one overall pick. And each guy was a fairly obvious, if not very obvious pick. The Detroit Lions, with Martin Mayhew as general manager, took Matthew Stafford with the number one pick in the 2009 NFL Draft. The Carolina Panthers, with Marty Herney as GM and Ron Rivera as head coach, took 
Cam Newton with the number one pick in the 2011 NFL Draft. And that's a bad hit in terms of Ron, Martin, and Marty like nailing it with quarterbacks. And Marty Herney, as Panthers general manager, blew it with his two other prominent quarterback draft selections. Uh, Marty took Jimmy Clausen in the second round of the 2010 draft and took Will Greer in the third round of the 2019 draft. Uh, I was a big fan of the commanders taking Sam Howell in the fifth round of the 2022 draft. That was a great value pick, but could he end up being a Jimmy Clausen or a Will Greer? Sure. Uh, It was, however, encouraging to see Sam play as he did in his NFL regular season debut, the 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 18 of this past season. This was Martin Mayhew on Wednesday afternoon on if a quarterback like Sam Howell, who sat for most of his rookie season, benefits from having sat for most of his rookie season. I think that is a tremendous, tremendous value. I don't think it's any any uh, coincidence that Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes are two of the best quarterbacks in the league. And they had the benefit of being able to sit behind a quality quarterback, sit and learn for some period of time. I'm obviously not saying that Sam is those guys right now, but I'm saying that I think that there's a lot of benefit to coming in without that immediate pressure every single week to learn a different game plan, to play against a different team, uh, to play a longer season than you ever played in your whole life uh, with grown men um, and different schemes that you're seeing that you haven't seen before. Um, I think that's one of the things as a league that we really, where we really have failed is in developing quarterbacks. And the reason for that, I believe, is because, you know, the bad teams get to pick first. Uh, they pick a very talented quarterback. Sometimes their team is not that talented. Uh, then they have that immediate pressure to put that player on the field. Uh, and so many guys have failed for that reason. So I think it's, it's going to help Sam a lot. Okay, there is a good bit of truth to a lot of what Martin Mayhew said right there, but there also is some antiquated thinking in what Martin said right there. And, you know, this is a concern for me with this uh, commander's player personnel, a power trio of Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, and Marty Herney, that there is too much antiquated thinking. Uh, That's how we got the uh, love sonnet to running game-oriented offense that we got from Ron and Martin at their joint season-ending press conference on January 10th. I don't doubt that there is benefit to rookie quarterbacks not playing right away and learning from sidelines before playing in regular season games, but I also believe in this as a general principle in sports and in life. Those who can do. Those who can do. I believe that if you are going to be a good NFL quarterback, then there's a pretty good chance that you're going to be good, or at least decent, from the get-go. The Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes scenarios get brought up a lot. Uh, The Green Bay Packers took Aaron Rodgers with the number 24 pick in the 2005 NFL Draft, but he did not become the Packers QB1 until the 2008 season due to Brett Favre. The Kansas City Chiefs took Patrick Mahomes with the number 10 pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, but he did not become the Chiefs QB1 until the 2018 season due to Alex Smith, who, of course, the Chiefs traded to the Skins in March 2018. What gets said a lot is, see, Rodgers didn't become a starter right away, Mahomes didn't become a starter right away, and each guy ended up being great. What doesn't get said nearly as often, but what should be said is, well... How do you know 
that each guy would not have been great had he been a starter right away, or at least at some point in his rookie season for more than one start. We have no way of knowing how good Aaron Rodgers would have been had he become the Packers QB1 in 2005. We have no way of knowing how good Patrick Mahomes would have been had he become the Chiefs QB1 in 2017. But especially in the case of Mahomes, you're being awfully dismissive if you don't think that there's at least a pretty good chance that he would have been great in 2017, given that he ended up being great in 2018. And with Rodgers, look, you're talking about 2005. That's a long time ago. Uh, That's a different NFL at this point. And think about the many examples of quarterbacks who ended up being starters in rookie seasons and being just fine, if not great in those rookie seasons. Just look at the last 15 years. Cam Newton for the Panthers in 2011. Robert Griffin III for the Skins in 2012. Russell Wilson for the Seattle Seahawks in 2012. Andrew Luck for the Indianapolis Colts in 2012. Dak Prescott for the Dallas Cowboys in 2016. Deshaun Watson for the Houston Texans in 2017. Kyler Murray for the Arizona Cardinals in 2019. Justin Herbert for the Los Angeles Chargers in 2020. Joe Burrow for the Cincinnati Bengals in 2020. There are enough examples in recent NFL history of rookie quarterbacks doing well to where this idea that rookie quarterbacks are so much better off not playing is iffy at best. Now, in the case of Sam Howell, 2022 fifth round pick, some mechanical issues coming out of North Carolina, his 2022 rookie season being a developmental season did make sense. But even with Sam, we all saw the antiquated thinking of he's not ready. We can't start him uh, with what happened in week 18, right? Rod Rivera initially was not going to start Sam in that game against the Cowboys in week 18, then was convinced to start Sam by the guy who Ron was going to start at quarterback for the commanders in that game, Taylor Heineke. And then Sam did well in that game against the Cowboys. Those who can do. What will Eric Bieniemy do as commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator? You know, one of the more noticeable things from Eric's introductory press conference with the commanders last Thursday, February 23rd, was him multiple times referencing Martin Mayhew, uh, as well as the commander's senior director of player personnel, Eric Stokes. Uh, the commander's hiring Eric Bieniemy wasn't just all about Ron Rivera. Uh, there very much is a relationship between Eric and Martin Mayhew. Uh, this was Martin on Wednesday afternoon on Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, well, Eric and I go way back. We've got probably 100,000 or so friends in common. He's a, he's a fraternity brother of mine, Omega Sapphire. Uh, so, you know, when I interviewed him, I, I was just trying not to piss him off, you know. <laughs> but no, he, uh, we're so glad to have him. He's it, a guy that's been in three of the last four Super Bowls, had the number one offense in the league last year in terms of scoring. Um, just uh, as an offense coordinator has accomplished a lot. Um, and our guys are really excited about it, too. Our team is excited about it. The whole building is, is excited to have him join us. Um, his press conference, I mean, Terry McLaurin was there. Jahan Dotson was there. Uh, Logan Thomas, a lot of our players showed up. They're excited about what he brings to the table and what he's going to be able to do for us offensively. Um, uh, his motivations, 
Honestly, I'm just glad that we have him. I'm glad that he's a part of our football team. Uh, couldn't be happier to have him. Um, certainly appreciate Scott Turner. Thanks he was able to do for us. And um, he did some really good things for us. Uh, but we're really happy to have Eric. Funny to hear Martin Mayhew say of interviewing Eric Bieniemy. quote, I was just trying not to piss him off, <laughs> end quote. Look, old EB, uh, he's intense, okay? He'll get angry, and that can rub some people the wrong way, but I think that that approach can be a very good thing, especially if that approach is part of an overall approach that is about attention to detail, and that is well thought out, and that works. You see, an offensive coordinator who is intense and can get angry but isn't smart in terms of scheme and game planning and play designing, that coach is a buffoon, okay? But an offensive coordinator who is intense and can get angry but is smart in terms of scheme and game planning and play designing, that coach is quite good. That coach can be transformative, you know? That coach can take an offense that has been bad for years, like Washington's offense, and make it good. Uh, One more item for you from Martin Mayhew's press conference on Wednesday afternoon at the Combine. Uh, Martin talked tight ends. Uh, The 2023 NFL draft is perceived to be a good draft for tight ends. The commanders, I believe, have a need at tight end. Uh, Not that you should draft for need. I'm not a believer in that. But, you know, it's not like the commanders are set at tight end. Uh, This was Martin Mayhew on Wednesday afternoon on how he views the commander situation at tight end. Yeah, we evaluate that pretty thoroughly. It is really good tight end class, I believe. Uh, I think we have a really good group of tight ends, you know. Um, I think, you know, Logan Thomas has been a very good player for us in the past, as you know. Cole Turner had one of the best offseasons that I've had, that I've seen a young tight end have. And then he got injured in training camp and suffered some soft soft uh, tissue injuries during the season. We didn't see fully what, what Cole is capable of, of, of doing, Cole Turner. Um, and then Amari, uh, Armani, rather, uh, also as an undrafted free agent, a guy who moved to tight end last year, um, really showed some, some very uh, intriguing flashes. And obviously John Bates is a very complete guy as a blocker and as a receiver. Uh, and then we've got Curtis Hoskins, who's, uh, who's, uh, was on the injured reserve last year, who came off last year. We didn't activate him. But he is very, very talented. So we've got a nice group of young pups out there that that look pretty good. So I do think that there is a distinct possibility that the commanders are going to cut tight end Logan Thomas in the coming days or weeks. Uh, Logan did not have a good 2022 season. He played in 14 of the commanders' 17 regular season games, and yet he had just 39 receptions, including a mere one touchdown reception. Now, not all of that is his fault, but Football Outsiders has a metric called DYAR. DYAR stands for Defense Adjusted Yards Above Replacement. It's similar to Wins Above Replacement War in baseball. Logan Thomas, for the 2022 regular season, finished dead last among 48 qualified NFL tight ends in DYAR. Number 48 out of 48. Uh, Not good. Uh, Logan, for the most part, did not look like himself, coming off the torn left ACL, MCL, and meniscus that he suffered in Washington's win at the Las Vegas Raiders on December 5th, 2021. Now, you could say, hey, it many times takes a pro athlete two seasons before he's back to where he was at prior to a torn ACL. But 
The 2023 season will be Logan's age 32 season. He, for that 2023 season, is set to have a salary cap hit of $8.675 million. And the commanders do have younger and cheaper tight ends in John Bates, Armani Rogers, and Cole Turner, in addition to the potential to take a tight end in this uh, perceived-to-be tight end-rich 2023 draft. So I do think that Logan Thomas is a candidate to be cut. It also was notable hearing what Martin Mayhew said about Cole Turner, that Cole in the 2022 offseason had one of the best offseasons that Martin has seen a young tight end have. Uh, The commanders took Cole Turner in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft at Nevada. He's essentially a tight end who is a receiver, not unlike what Jordan Reed was for the Skins, uh, but Cole, uh, also like Jordan, uh, had a hard time staying healthy. Uh, Cole was inactive for each of the commander's first four games of the 2022 regular season uh, as he got surpassed by Armani Rogers of having dealt with a hamstring injury in the preseason. Uh, Cole Turner also was inactive for three consecutive games due to a concussion that he suffered in the win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field in Week 7. Bottom line, Cole Turner in the 2022 regular season played in just 10 of the Commander's 17 games and played on a total of just 245 offensive snaps. You need good tight ends. The Commanders need better production from the tight end position. You know, I mentioned that DYAR metric. The top three tight ends in the NFL in the 2022 regular season in terms of DYAR were the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, the Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Goddard, and the San Francisco 49ers, George Kittle. What's something that all three of those guys have in common? They all made Conference Championship Sunday. Now, it's not a must that you have a high-level tight end to go deep in the NFL playoffs, but boy, does it help if you have a high-level tight end, or if you have high-level production from the tight end position. And the commanders in the 2022 season did not have anything close to high-level production from the tight end position. Well, the NHL trade deadline is on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. The Capitals on Wednesday continued their sell-off. They traded center Lars Eller to the Colorado Avalanche for a second-round pick in the 2025 NHL draft. Uh, The Caps are retaining 31% of Eller's salary. But the man known as Tiger, Lars Eller, uh, he now is gone. Lars Eller, of course, a key piece on the 2017-2018 Stanley Cup champion Caps, but uh, Eller is set to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason. Uh, this season is Eller's age 33 season. The Caps, with these trades that the team has made, have dealt older players on expiring contracts. As I've been saying, what the Caps are doing is a reset, a retool, not a rebuild. And so if I don't sound all that sad, with what the Caps are doing, that's because I'm not all that sad with what the Caps are doing. Now, look, anytime your team has playoff hopes, if not Stanley Cup championship hopes, and ends up being a seller uh, come the NHL trade deadline, that's not a good thing. Okay, you're not celebrating that, but it's not like the Caps are blowing everything up here. Okay, I mean, the guys who the Caps have traded in recent days, defenseman Dmitry Orlov, winger Garnett Hathaway, defenseman Eric Gustafson, winger Marcus Johansson, center Lars Eller. All of these guys are veterans. All of these guys are on expiring contracts, and the Caps are loading up 
on draft picks. The Caps now have 22 total picks in the next three NHL drafts, five picks in the 2023 draft, eight picks in the 2024 draft, and nine picks in the 2025 draft. And it's not like it's unfathomable that the Caps will be right back to being a Stanley Cup playoff team next season. In fact, it's not that unfathomable that the Caps could be a Stanley Cup playoff team this season. What's funny about all of this is that the Caps still are in postseason contention, and they late night on Wednesday night did get a win. Uh, The Caps improved to 30-27-6 with a 3-2 overtime win at the Anaheim Ducks late night on Wednesday night. Now look, the Ducks are not a good team, uh, but the Caps now have 66 points. Uh, The Caps are just three points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins for the Eastern Conference's second wildcard spot. Uh, the Caps late night on Wednesday night did see two more guys get hurt. Uh, defenseman Martin Ferravari suffered a lower body injury. Ferravari had a first period even strand goal and a third period holding the stick minor. Uh, and defenseman Nick Jensen suffered an upper body injury. Uh, the Caps this past Tuesday night announced the re-signing of Jensen to a three-year 12.15 million-dollar contract extension. Uh, The Caps on Wednesday night remained without defenseman John Carlson and forwards Connor Brown and Carl Hagelin due to injury. But the Caps on Wednesday night did get back winger Anthony Mantha. Uh, He returned from a three-game absence caused by an upper body injury that he suffered in the Caps' 3-1 loss to the Detroit Red Wings at Capital One Arena on February 21st. Mantha on Wednesday night in the third period had an unsuccessful penalty shot. But a Caps winger who was rather successful late night on Wednesday night was Tom Wilson. Uh, He scored two goals, a third period even strand goal and the game-winning even strand goal in overtime. Uh, Wilson also had a game-high seven shots on goal and he had a third period fighting major. Uh, But also, Tom Wilson finished tied with winger Alex Ovechkin for number one on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 60. Uh, The Caps with Wilson, with Willie on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 15 shot attempts versus allowing it 10 shot attempts. How about what Tom Wilson is doing? This guy now has seven goals in just 14 games in this regular season. Remember, Tom Wilson missed the Caps' first 49 games of the regular season due to a torn left ACL that he suffered in the Caps' 4-2 win at the Florida Panthers last May 3rd in Game 1 of the Caps' six-game loss to the Panthers in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Darcy Kemper was the Caps' starting goaltender late night on Wednesday night. He stopped 21 of the 23 shots on goal that he faced. The Caps had another good game on the penalty kill, 2-2 on the PK, improving to 36-41 on the penalty kill over the team's last 18 games. The Caps did go 0-3 on the power play, but the Caps did win. And so as the Caps are in the midst of this sell-off, the Caps also still are in postseason contention. Next up for the Caps at the San Jose Sharks, Saturday evening at 6. We move now to college basketball. What is it about Maryland at home versus Maryland on the road this season? There may not be a team in college basketball with a bigger discrepancy between the team's home play and road play this season uh, than the Terrapins. Number 21, Maryland fell to 20-10 and 10 overall and 11-8 and 8 in the Big Ten with a 73-62 loss at Ohio State on Wednesday night. The Terps this season now are just 1-8. and eight in Big Ten road games 
versus being 10 and 0 in Big Ten home games. Go figure. You could always email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jerry Moore on Wednesday night. Writes Jerry, Terps horrible on the road again. No mental toughness on the road. They just never learn. Why can't they show up on the road, Al? Uh, thank you for the email, Jerry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a great answer for you. Uh, I don't think that anyone does. You know, it is college basketball, so you are dealing with teenagers and guys in their early 20s, and they can be unpredictable and unreliable. You know, this game was a classic contrarian handicapping game. The Terps lost at an Ohio State team that came into the game just 4-14 and in the Big Ten, and yet, and yet, the Buckeyes in the hours leading up to the game became a one-point favorite for Circa Sports. The line, in theory, made no sense, and yet the line, in actuality, made perfect sense. The wise guys in Las Vegas knew that something was up with this game, and sure enough, something was up, and the Terps went down. Uh, They ended up losing by 11 points at a bad Buckeyes team. The Terps trailed for nearly the entire game. They allowed Ohio State to begin the game on a 14-4 run, trailed by as many as 15 points in the second half. Disappointing games for three Maryland starters, Jameer Young, Dante Scott, and Hakeem Hart. Jameer Young in 36 minutes as a starter went one of three on threes and just three of 10 on twos. He scored just nine points, also had three rebounds and two assists versus one turnover. Dante Scott in 30 minutes as a starter, one of three on threes, just a two of six on twos, two of two on free throws. He finished with nine points, three rebounds, and two assists versus two turnovers. And Hakeem Hard in 34 minutes as a starter, 0 of three on threes, two of four on twos, one of two on free throws. He scored just five points. Uh, two bright spots for the Terps were Julian Reese and Don Carey. Yeah, Julian Reese did have another good game. 36 minutes as a starter, 6 of 8 from the field, all twos. Did go just 5 of 8 on free throws, but he finished with 17 points, 12 rebounds, including 5 offensive boards, 3 blocks, and 2 assists versus 3 turnovers. And Don Carey in 25 minutes as a starter, 3 of 6 on threes, 1 of 1 on twos, 3 of 3 on free throws. He finished with 14 points, but the rest of the Terps went just 4 of 13 on threes, and the Terps suffered a bad loss. Next up for Maryland, it's regular season finale at Penn State this Sunday at noon. Speaking of regular season finales, uh, Georgetown, a most appropriate ending to the Hoyas debacle of a 2022-2023 regular season. Georgetown concluded a regular season in which the Hoyas went 7 and 24 overall and 2 and 18 in the Big East with a 99-59 loss at Creighton on Wednesday night. Yeah, the Hoyas on Wednesday night lost at Creighton by 40 points. The 40-point loss was the Hoyas' worst loss over their six seasons with Patrick Ewing as head coach. This was the Hoyas' worst loss since an 88-44 loss at then number two Marquette on December 27th, 1971. Wednesday was March 1st, 2023. We had the Hoyas' worst loss since December 27th, 1971. The Hoyas never held the lead in the game. Uh, They allowed Creighton to begin the game on a 19-0 run. I mean, think about that. The game started with a 19-0 run 
by Creighton. An embarrassing, atrocious performance by the Hoyas in an embarrassing, atrocious season for the Hoyas in an embarrassing, atrocious run for Patrick Ewing as Hoyas head coach. Patrick somehow, someway survived as Hoyas head coach last offseason despite a 2021-2022 season in which Georgetown went 6-25 and overall and 0-20 and in Big East games. You gotta think that Patrick is going to get fired as Hoyas head coach once their season ends, right? I mean, there's no way that Patrick is going to be the Hoyas head coach next season, right? What has happened with Georgetown basketball is sad. And if ever there was an exclamation mark for a horrendous regular season, what happened with the Hoyas on Wednesday night was that exclamation mark, a regular season ending 40-point loss at Creighton. Next up for Georgetown is the Big East Tournament next week at Madison Square Garden in New York City. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 520. We'll provide you with more on the commanders. Also, I'll talk Wizards. So the Wizard home to the Toronto Raptors Thursday night at 7. We on Wednesday did have some Wizards news. So the team on Wednesday evening announced that Monte Morris, who has missed the team's last two games due to low back soreness, underwent an epidural injection on Wednesday and will be listed as week to week. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. We're winning off the field. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.